Welcome to the third episode of Chasing the Elephant podcast. This week, I'll be your host, Gail Bach, along with Richard Berger, and the interviewee will be our typical host, Russell Katz. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. So uh, the first question I have is, some investors believe water is the next oil, and in some cases, the companies in the industry have kind of been up, been bit up. What attracted you to this, the sector, Russell, and how did you come to find Consolidated Water? Thank you, Yale. So what attracted me to the sector was a lot of uh, information about uh, population growth. I, with the crash of oil, I realized that I needed to change um, my investing approach. Before then, I had I'd focused uh, pretty much exclusively on oil and natural gas exploration. After changing it up, I, I did, started by actually looking at population growth and what would be affected, looked at food, and then I realized that kind of everything that held to get, that kind of held everything together from manufacturing to food production to mining to electricity production, everything, water is always a factor in it. More so than just the fact that the workers themselves actually needed a lot of the, these processes use a significant amount of water. And then I started looking at different areas that water is used. And what, what kind of stuck out to me was that a lot of areas are facing water crises, which is a large part due to the fact that transporting water across large distances is very impractical and significantly drives up the price. So that's how, that's how I came across uh, desalinization and through further research, I came across Consolidated Water. Thank you, Russell. Consolidated Water is a small speculative company with a clean balance sheet. Uh, so uh, investors should know that from the outset. Could you uh, describe Consolidated Water, their business, and what makes the company unique? So Consolidated Water for many years was just a desalinization company, and they were originally solely based in the Cayman Islands. Consolidated Water has a long-standing relationship with the Cayman Island government and has an exclusive contract to provide water for most of the island. As a matter of fact, this, this contract is so solid that the Cayman Islands can actually not offer um, the contract to any other company without at least first notifying Consolidated Water of the offer and offering it to them. While they are in contract negotiations with the Cayman Islands, the contract negotiations are going very well, and there's been extensions, and it looks like it's going to go through soon. Consolidated Water also is very unique in the fact that it has a substantial cash pile and zero long-term debt. As a matter of fact, liabilities only equal approximately $36 million, um, with over $160 uh, million of assets. So the company is pretty much solely uh, equity funded, and those liabilities are all, almost all current liabilities. Uh, they don't have any liabilities that are longer than 12 months, and pretty much most of those are accounts payable on top of that. Consolidated Water as of last quarter, so Q3 2017, has over $40 million in cash, which if you look at their long-term obligations, they are able to, to pay them off over two times that in the future permanently, excluding the Mexican project, which we'll talk about later. That's a very unique aspect for any company, and that really attracted me to the company to look into it more. Consolidated Water is also moving in a direction of rapid expansion with the acquisition of Erex and the Mexican project, which, as I said, I will mention later on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Erex? Because I think you are pretty um, 
convinced that it's an important part of that company. Eric's is a very important part of the vertical integration of Consolidated Water that, that they are pursuing. Consolidated Water significantly overpaid for acquisition of 51% of Eric's, which they also acquired the option to buy the remaining 49% after February 2019 at fair market value. So after February 2019, they have the option to purchase the remaining 49%. Eric's produces a lot of the essential equipment that Consolidated Water uses. Consolidated Water manages, builds, and maintains desalinization plants. They also own a number of desalinization plants as well. And they have had a relationship with Eric's for a number of years. So the acquisition wasn't just with some unknown company that was based in Florida. Uh, it, was, it was a move by Consolidated Water to move more into North America and to expand their uh, operations. So you could... You can make the logical argument that it's a it's also a way to de-risk their business by by becoming more vertically integrated. Um, if you look at the um, the revenues of and the operations of Consolidated Water over the past ten years, the revenues have been flat essentially for the last ten years, and a little trending down over the last two years. You could also say the same thing for. Uh, free cash flow. Cash flow from operations um, have declined a little bit over the last five years. So we certainly have to ask, um, what has been the reason for that um, trend? And what do you think is going to turn that around? Well, I think, first of all, you have to understand about consolidated water is one very difficult to grasp fact. And that, that fact is that revenue is literally irrelevant. When it comes to consolidated water, their revenue is irrelevant. Now, with that said, I'm not saying that what they earn from operations is irrelevant. What I am saying is that the number revenue is irrelevant for what, it, what you should actually be looking at is gross profit. And the reason for that is a large portion of their revenue is this expense item um, called the energy pass-through charge. And what that and all of consolidated water's contracts they are actually allowed to pass through the costs of their energy, and that drastically varies with the price of energy. So when you're analyzing consolidated water, you should not look at revenue growth. The reason revenue has been declining, especially over the, the last three to five years, is because of the drastic decrease in, in the costs of energy to consolidated water. In the last three years, their gross profit has been increasing. It is also important to note that Consolidated Water's business is definitely highly affected by the climate. If there's more rainfall, then there's less use for their water that they're producing. So for the Caymans uh, specifically, there, was, there has been a number of years where they didn't use as much water and therefore their profits were down. Additionally, you had a number of years uh, and the last of this was this year, where you had impairment charges for one of their operations. Now, with that operation, that operation it had never been that operation had never been profitable, and was actually always losing money. And they finally have said that they are shutting shutting that operation down. Uh, I actually think this is a great uh, this is a great thing. The operation is in Bali. Um, I don't. I, I actually think that the shutting of this down, especially since Consolidated Water has no long-term debt, will actually have 
a positive impact on their operations as they lose about $500,000 a year on Bali. Uh, so they're shutting it down because it was never profitable. And while the management says, and I do agree, that it was a good idea to go in, going in too early is the same thing as being wrong. And unfortunately, Consolidated Water went into Bali too early. Consolidated Water over the last three to five years has seen a significant change in how they operate uh, with the acquisition of Eric's and also with the with the public-private partnership that they acquired in Mexico. They've seen expansion. They also paid off um, the on-demand loan that they had, and they've been acquiring cash while paying off, paying out a steady dividend and shoring up their current desalinization plans. So you mentioned um, the joint venture in, in Mexico. Why don't you share some background about the management team, the company history? Uh, they just had their most recent earnings report, and then maybe talk about the project that they have in, um, in Mexico and how that might impact their financial performance. So Rick McTaggart is the CEO and president, and David Sassnet is the CFO. I have heard great things from both of them. I think that Rick McTaggart has uh, very recently started to take Consolidated Water in a, the growth direction. For years, desalinization wasn't economically viable pretty much anywhere. Uh, very recently, the costs of desalinization have drastically dropped. With that said, they're still very high compared to conventional uh, uses of acquiring water. Um, however, in certain areas of the world, with the decrease in cost of desalinization and the scarcity of water in certain areas, it has become economically viable. The public-private partnership that Consolidated Water is pursuing in Mexico is an example of this. Consolidated Water has a long track record of successfully operating desalinization plants. With that said, they have never attempted anything like this play in Mexico. Uh, they won the tenure offer, and they, they actually were the ones who presented it and asked the Mexican government to open this up to bidding. They were the ones who came up with the idea, which gave them a significant edge in the public-private partnership bidding process as per Mexican law. They won the the tenure, which demanded a 100 million gallon a day desalinization plant. Now, this plant is supposed to be built in two different stages. First stage will be completed by 2021, and the second stage will be completed by 2024. Each stage will be for 50 million uh, gallons per day. Now, it is important to note that consolidated water, um, as of right now, produces approximately 20 million gallons a day with all of their desalinization plants. So this is, as I said, a very significant increase in consolidated water's um, expansion. Now, consolidated water is able to do this because of their extremely clean balance sheet and because of their high prevalence of cash. I think that, and um, I don't say this lightly, I think it could approximately double their value because Consolidated Water also is um, is joining with another equity partner. They're looking for another equity partner. and But in their contract, they are going to be the ones who manage the plant. So not only will they be keeping the revenue from the plant, but they will also be paid to manage the plant themselves. I think that Consolidated Water is a long-term play 
not only because of the Mexican project, but because of all of their other assets? I guess the, the natural question is, if you look at the stages of the Mexican project, will the revenues start to gradually ramp up as the project progresses? Or is it a situation where the revenues um, will are, are are on hold until 2021 because investors are, are going to be interested in seeing um, how the revenue projections play out. Yeah, so the the revenues are on hold until uh, until the, the first phase of the plant is completed. It is important to to mention that the price of water is tied to the the Mexican price index. So the price of water will be increasing as you know inflation uh, goes about in Mexico uh, throughout years total cost of the plant recouping that will take approximately 9 years until all the costs of the plant have been recouped through sales of water all of this will be completed in pesos so it is subject to the fluctuations in the peso but all of the debt that consolidated water will be acquiring because of this build will be in pesos, all the the costs will be in pesos, and the revenue will also be in pesos. So the only, in terms of the debt and, and paying it off with the revenue, um, you don't necessarily have to worry about the fluctuations as much, in, except in terms of up, um, transferring that into dollars, because the debt will also be in pesos, which is... The Mexican government is working to supply um, consolidated water with that debt through partnering with um, different banks and uh, funds. So it's good to know that the costs are are all aligned in the functional currency of the of the country that the project is in. If you if you look at consolidated water, it's a it's a small company relative to the larger giants in the industry. You know, a, a, a company like GE, which clearly is going through its own issues. But it, it's certainly important to ask, what kind of competitive advantages does Consolidated have versus some of these other big companies? I think Consolidated Water has a couple of big advantages. First of all, it has the over 30 years of contacts that uh, they have in, in the space that they've been working in. Also, um, they have long-term contracts most of which are not due to expire for a number of years, recently have been rene- um, have successfully renegotiated a number of them. Also in the Cayman Islands, they have that exclusivity contract, which they pretty much have the Cayman Islands on lockdown. That exclusivity part was part of their original contract and transfers over to every single contract that they sign. So the Cayman Islands cannot offer another company the contract that Consolidated Water has without first offering it and notifying Consolidated Water. So I think that they have the connections. I think that they have the experience. Um, A lot of these companies are very big. Consolidated Water is uh, very focused in desalinization, which I think gives them a big edge because they're a kind of a one-stop shop for desalinization. And when when it comes to these very specialized projects, Consolidated Water, I think, has an edge in that regard because they already have a foothold. They have a foothold. They have the capital, and they have the experience. Okay, so um, Consolidated is is an, uh, clearly an interesting company, 
but we certainly should uh, make investors aware of what other kinds of risks they may have that you can think of that people should be aware of. Consolidated water has some minor risks comes to it, and it also has some bigger risks. Uh, some of the minor risks is that the that they are in contract negotiations with the Caymans, and if they lose that contract, it would be a massive blow to the company. I consider that a very minor risk for the the sole reason of the they have to be offered their first contract. Um, they were just granted a, a year extension on um, the Cayman Islands. The reason that these contract negotiations have been lasting for so long is because the Cayman Islands has recently gone through some major legislative changes. They've or they've changed the organization that Consolidated Water is negotiating with twice. So the reason that this has been dragging on for years is pretty much solely due to issues that the Cayman Islands have been having with their legislation. It is not a reflection on the Cayman Islands not wanting to continue to work with Consolidated Water. Additionally, um, the Mexican project, while it seems to be going ahead very well, there is the risk that due to the fluctuations in the price of the peso, especially since President Trump was elected, that the project could become unviable. That risk does seem far off at this point. However, it, it is still worth mentioning. Consolidated Water also uh, had a lawsuit against them for basically how they, they acquired 99.9% uh, of the subsidiary that they operate in Mexico. However, the, the that lawsuit has been dropped because of inaction on the part of the plaintiffs, and they, they have shown no indication that they are wanting to pick up that lawsuit. Consolidated Water also has a couple of lawsuits with some other governments that they are trying to get some payments. Those lawsuits have shown no impact on contract negotiations that Consolidated Water has had with those governments. As a matter of fact, a couple of those governments have recently granted Consolidated Water uh, new contracts, even though they're engaged in litigation. So litigation is not a large cost to Consolidated Water, but there are some cases pending. Well, Russell, thank you for that comprehensive look at, at uh, an interesting water play. And why don't we turn to our macroeconomic discussion? And naturally, it's going to be about water. Ta-da! I know Richard uh, can give us a, a pretty good breakdown of some of the different aspects of water. So why don't we turn to Richard to, to fill us in? Hi, thank you, uh, Yale. Uh, I, um, I do have a, a background uh, in geology, uh, although I, uh, my expertise is in petroleum geology. Nonetheless, water is uh, something I do pay attention to. As uh, Russell mentioned in his uh, consolidated presentation, water is a uh, economic commodity that is uh, becoming uh, more and more in demand, and the rate of growth of demand is far exceeding the growth of uh, supply. There are basically uh, four sources of supply for water. We've got runoff. Uh, in rivers and streams, capturing rainfall, the groundwater, uh, which is pumped out of aquifers. We have treatment um, of used water and and the uh, runoff water, especially from agricultural industrial for uh, wastewater treatment uh, to recycle, both for reusing in those or even as potable water. And then we have the unconventional uh, water sources, such as uh, desalinization that Consolidated specializes in, uh, iceberg towing, which is actually uh, being used a little bit, is, is quite economic, 
the biggest problem with iceberg towing has been liability. An iceberg towing an iceberg takes hundreds and hundreds of miles to make it turn. If one gets away from you, especially if you're near a coastline at the time, it's just a nightmare scenario. And I think for that reason alone, icebergs remain a very distant uh, technology uh, until somebody can address that better. So we see, we see four uh, technologies, um, technical uh, sectors that, that can address water uh, shortage issues, as I've described those. And um, I haven't looked at individual opportunities within those sectors, but it's something uh, some of our listeners might want to explore for themselves. Russell, are there any other uh, opportunities in the water industry or uh, can you give us a little bit more background on water and uh, where you think that um, investors might uh, take a look uh, to potentially profit? Yeah, so there are n a number of different uh, ways that investors could look to profit. And Richard did a, a great job about talking about the, the four different segments, I guess you could call it. There's obviously you have your reservoirs, you have your groundwater. I, I thought it was <laughs> I liked the iceberg towing discussion that definitely has a lot of uh, risks involved in it. Um, and then you have desalinization, you also have recycling. It, it is important to note that, especially in the United States, uh, the municipal water, municipal water companies, there are a large number of them that are publicly traded. One of the big issues is that they're generally very small, and the ones that are larger, and incredible, it's an incredibly fractured industry. And the ones that are larger, are often larger because they've been making a lot of acquisitions recently and are highly leveraged because of that. With that said, I'm making generalizations. You have to understand, this is an incredible, as I said, a very fractured industry and there are a lot of different companies in the municipal water department. One company that I have started looking at, and I, I say started because it actually only IPO'd early November, so earlier this month, symbol AQUA, and they just IPO'd early November, and I just started looking at them, and they're one of the largest producers of the equipment for um, these municipalities. They also produce um, filtration equipment, and they also, uh, but they don't just do it through conventional filters. They also have over 1,200 patents from everything from UVs to, to filtration to, they also produce a lot of the piping. They, this company produces the equipment for most of the Fortune 500. It's a, it's a massive company and it just recently uh, IPO'd. And while I'm, I'm not saying that I recommend it because I haven't had the time to do an in-depth dive into it, I think it is a very interesting company and definitely worth looking into. But it also goes to show that water is, is a lot larger than just your, um, than just your municipalities or your desalinization companies. You can also invest in things like companies that build filtration systems, which all water producers require. Okay, finally, why don't we look at um, what each of us is um, looking at next week. Um, go ahead, Russell. One of the things that I'm focusing on for next week is I'm, I'm doing a deep dive into this, uh, this company that I said about it. The symbol is AQUA called Evoca Water Technologies. Um, it's a very interesting company, uh, just IPO'd, and I'm looking forward to doing a deep dive into their prospectus, which is uh, over 300 pages, so that's always fun. <laughs>
And Richard, why don't you mention, um, tell us about uh, what you're looking at and also give us a brief update on uh, the Microsoft and Cheesecake um, option uh, information. Thank you, Yale. Let me take those in reverse order and start by reviewing our, our prior selections. Uh, in episode one, we looked at Cheesecake Factory, Cake, which was trading at 43.72 at that time and is currently at 45.44. It would appear that Yale gave us a very good pick there, uh, certainly is on the move in the up direction. The options I presented for cake uh, included a writing a covered put, put uh, using the 11-17-17 expiration with a $40 strike, uh, expired out of the money and let us pocket our 17.21% annualized rate of return yield on that. The covered call option for those owning the shares was uh, called away from us, and again, we achieved our calculated expected uh, profits of a 22.94% annualized yield rate. Microsoft uh, it was at 84.05 at the time uh, of the presentation and is currently trading at 82.40. At the time, I presented a uh, conservative cash-covered put option using the 12-15-17 contracts at 82.50, with the stock currently at 82.40. Those are just slightly in the money, the contracts continuing to run. The uh, alternative uh, suggestion I had for those who wanted to play the upside potential of tax reformation of which Microsoft will be a big beneficiary use the uh, buy right with a on the 11918 covered call leg at 8750 for a net debit entry point of $82.89 we've since captured an 80 uh, a 42 cent dividend which brings us down to a, a 8247 break even point so we're basically even on that as things uh, currently run on that option. That's a 119.18 expiration. Turning our attention to ideas in the coming week, I'm going to share one that I think you'll all find quite interesting. I just shared this with my my subscribers to Engineered Income Investing. There's a merger pending between AT&T and Time Warner. AT&T, symbol T, has... um, agreed to buy Time Warner for a combination of cash and stock. It's got all of its approvals except for the Department of Justice, who is hinting that they want AT&T to consider a divestiture of a major segment, probably CNN, uh, as part of the antitrust concerns, even though uh, the two companies uh, are not in the same industry. Uh, so there's a little bit of uncertainty that remains in the uh, whether this deal will finalize. To give you an idea of the numbers that translate in the the, the offer to to what it nets out at, uh, with AT&T currently at $34 a share, uh, the offer is 1.437 shares of of T uh, plus $53.75 cash would be. Um, 10261 in value for a holder of one share of uh, Time Warner currently. If a if shares of T should fall to $30 a share, the deal uh, is still worth um, 4341 in uh, T stock plus the 5375 is $98.86. It's 
probably unlikely that a final decision with the DOJ, Department of Justice, will occur before the end of the year. Thank you, Richard, for that um, look at the different option possibilities with respect to the Time Warner uh, T deal. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm looking at the whole media sector and the different rumors there are. There have been all kinds of rumors about how Fox may be selling assets and Comcast may be interested and Verizon may be interested and that situation. Also, I'm looking at the oil market and what's going on with Venezuela and how Venezuela has defaulted on their massive debt and uh, the potential implications in terms of supply disruption. Um, so there are a lot of things going on in the financial markets, and I'm sure you're paying attention to them as well. Um, we appreciate you listening to the third episode of the Chasing the Elephant podcast, and um, we look forward to, to you listening on the next one. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. Investing money in capital markets involves risk and could result in losing money. While the people on this podcast express their own opinions, only you can determine if a specific investment is right for your portfolio. You should always do your own research before buying or selling any investment. Remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. Future results are likely to be different from past performance. All equity portfolios involve risk and may lose money. One should research any investment and make sure it is suitable with your objectives, risk tolerance, risk profile, liquidity concerns, tax situation, and anything else pertinent to your financial situation. Also, attaining or holding the CFA credential in no way suggests performance will be superior than a market index or market return. While this podcast is exclusive to Seeking Alpha, we are in no way direct employees of Seeking Alpha, and we are not directly endorsed by Seeking Alpha. Thank you.